I think because of where we're at in worship, I just want to pick up there uh, this morning. We'll do offerings and tithes at the end. I won't forget, maybe. Um, But, you know, we're talking about the overwhelming, reckless love of God. And we've been looking in Scripture at, at the book of Jonah. And we're kind of doing a chapter a week. And I think about the overwhelming, reckless love of God. I mean, remember the story of Jonah? And I know that it seems like Sunday school or whatever, but just to get us caught up, Jonah chapter 1, we meet a prophet that we can all relate to. Jonah was a prophet. God spoke to him. He said, get up and go. And Jonah went down. It said time and time again. He, 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 he said, go to, to Nineveh. And Jonah ran to Tarsus or he sailed to Tarsus. I mean, everything in him, he, he went against what God was saying knowingly against it, because we find out on the boat that the guys already knew he said he was running from God, the storm comes up, the overwhelming, reckless love of God. The storm comes up, and, and the boat's rocking. Jonah's sleeping, he's snoring, he's cutting logs in the bottom of the boat. Remember that? And they wake him up and they say, what's going on? Cry out to your God. And Jonah says, toss me in the water. That was the first week. The prophet we could all relate to. The one who ran from what God was saying. Last week we looked at what happened. They threw him into the water. He became consumed by the water. Yeah, the storms quieted, but Jonah kept sinking. We see in the prayer that he prayed. He kept sinking. And, and he says that seaweed was wrapped around his, his head and he was out of the sight of God. He was underwater at the foot of the mountains, like under the water, deep. And the overwhelming, reckless love of God. <laughs> A fish comes and consumes him. I mean, talk about the reckless, what in the world? And Jonah in that fish suddenly changes. We looked at the the prophet who repented last week. We looked at the words that he prayed in that fish and, and how he began to cry out to God. And he said, hey, what I vowed I will do, what I said I will do, just give me another chance. Let me Let me do this. And he talked about where he was, but the demonstration of God's grace. Remember I talked about that fish, sometimes God's grace. It's not always pretty, the way it's revealed in our lives. Sometimes it smells, sometimes it's weird, sometimes we don't understand. But that fish was the demonstration of God's grace in, 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 Noah's, or in Jonah's life. So if we pick up, looking at the, the reckless love of God, I want to read Jonah chapter 3, but I just got to start with the last verse of Jonah chapter 2. It says, And the Lord commanded the fish, this is where Jonah was repentant, his, his heart had changed, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. Someone might need to underline that in their Bible. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, he took off his royal robes, he covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. 
This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and of his nobles, do not let people, animals, herds, or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion. Turn his, from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Verse 10 says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on the destruction he had threatened. I'm going to pray and we're going to look at these words this morning. Father, I thank you for your word this day. God, I thank you that we can look at your word and your word is life. Your word is living and active. And so, God, I pray that living and active words speak to our hearts this day. God, we've been looking at Jonah as a mirror. Help us to continue to see ourselves in this mirror of the prophet. Let our hearts, our minds be yielded unto you, God. There's plenty of distractions. There's plenty of things we can think about. But, God, I pray that this day, in these moments, we would be yielded to you, that you might speak to us. I submit myself, God. I submit my tongue and my words unto you, believing your work will be accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to chapter 3. It started with with two verses, and uh, I love this. It says, the word of God came to Jonah a second time. I want to start with the reality that the word of God came to Jonah a second time. Because, you know, sometimes we disqualify ourselves from God's second chances. What did we talk about? All the failures, all the faults, all the problems, the extreme at which Jonah ran from the will of God and the plans of God. Jonah was so rebellious, he found himself covered in seaweed, probably covered in dead fish or whatever else, spit up on the beach. Vomited, it says in Scripture, by the fish. He's surrounded by fish vomit. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Let me tell you, your mistakes don't define God's purpose for your life. Jonah chapter 3 starts with the reality that your decisions, your, your wandering, your running, your disobedience, your rebellion don't disqualify you from the purpose that God has for you. How do I know? Because he said, go again. Like the message hasn't changed. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah chapter 1. Where did this start? The word of the Lord came to Jonah son of Amittai, and said, go to the great city of Nineveh. Where does that start? I mean, look at verse 2 in both of them. Proclaim and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Yeah, he gives them a little more details there. He tells them in a second, in Jonah chapter 3, I'll give you the message when you get there. But we just read read what the message was. It was the same thing. To look at the prophet Jonah as a mirror to look at, at, at all that, that there is, it's important we realize that God will come a second time. Jonah screwed up. 
Jonah messed up about as messy as messed up can get. Okay? But God's word came to him a second time. God said, I'm not done with you yet. Remember Jonah's prayer in, 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 in the fish. He said, what I vowed, I will do. Jonah made a promise to do what God had asked him to do. That was his repentant heart. That's the place that he came to. Yeah, I've been running. I've been running on boats or sailing or whatever you want to say. I've been swimming. I've been jumping, whatever. But in the belly of the fish, he said, God, I will do what I vowed to do. His vow was to do the very will of God. He's a prophet. What has he vowed to do? I'll be a prophet is what he's saying. What was he running from? What he had vowed to do. A prophet speaks for God. That's what they do. So he was saying in the ship, All right, God, you got me where you need me. I will do what you want me to do. And what I love is that God comes to him a second time. God gave Jonah a do-over. How many times of life have you said, man, I wish I could have that back before it gets out of your mouth, you know? Husbands, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I want a do-over. <laughs> wives don't know anything about it, I'm sure. I know at times we don't get do-overs. But this is a sound biblical model where God's giving His children a do-over. It's like He's resetting. He hit the reset button. Yeah, we had this whole racing going on in the ship and in, in, in the fish and in the sea and all that stuff. But let's just start back at that exact same place. In His words, it's the same. Hey, Jonah. Deja vu, this sounds familiar. Hey, why don't you, son of Amittai, go to, to Nineveh? Wow, that sounds familiar. I've heard this somewhere before. I mean, it's like the words are echoing the exact same thing. Why would Jonah 1, 2, and, and Jonah 3 and 1 and 2 be the same? Why would they mirror each other so well? It's like God said to Jonah, hey, you might have screwed up, but we're still going to do this. Maybe this morning, that's the word you need to hear. Hey, you might have messed up. You might have run. You might have been in the wrong place. You might have done some of the wrong things. But guess what? We're going to do this over. And he's coming to you a second time. First Peter, or Philippians chapter 1, I'm sorry, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, there's a purpose that God has given you. There's a calling. There's an instruction. There's a word that's come to you. And sometimes we feel like because of our actions and because of our choices, that word will no longer be fulfilled. But be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, be confident of this, that the one who started something, the one who placed that dream, the one who spoke to you, the one who woke you, the one who declared to you, go, he will bring that good work to complete. 
completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Man, I need to be reminded of that at times. I mean, think about, about Peter. Simon Peter. I mean, you want to talk about a screw-up? Jesus, I'll never deny you. Remember that? Proud Peter? Three times, right? He screwed up three times. What did Jesus say to him? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Three times Peter messed up. He screwed up. But thank God that God determines our purpose, not our mistakes. Thank God that no matter how many times I reject, no matter how far I try to run, that He's determined what I will do. Jonah chapter 3 starts with the reality that God comes a second time. As a parent, I give my kids second chances sometimes. You know what I mean? We try this whole do-over thing. And nine times out of ten, the do-over don't work. Nine times out of ten might be uh, a little bit underestimating that. And 99 times out of 100, whatever you want to say. Jonah gets a do-over. So what do we see? It says in Jonah chapter 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city and proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Jonah got a do-over and what did Jonah do? Jonah obeyed. I talked about, if you remember Jonah chapter 1, when Jesus, or when the Lord God, whoever you want to say, spoke to Jonah. He said, arise and go. Is, is really the Hebrew interpretation of those verses. And we looked at Jonah's actions in Jonah chapter 1. It said that he went down to the port city of Joppa. And then he went down into the boat. And then he went down a third time. And then they threw him down into the sea. And he went down even further. Jonah's whole life had been all about going down. What I love is, is, is that again, God speaks to him, arise and go to Nineveh. And where we read Jonah obeyed, do you know what the Hebrew says? Then Jonah arose and went. You see, his heart has changed. Jonah is now obeying. What God has told him to do. No longer is he making that same mistake. He's not going down. He's not going down. He's not going down. He's getting up. He's doing what God said. Man, parenting sometimes, it's so simple if they just would obey. God sometimes has to say to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus, they have to be taught it. It'd be so easy if they just would obey. Things change in Jonah chapter 3 because of these very words, Jonah obeyed God. Some people, I've I've been reading a lot on Jonah, listening to a lot of sermons, uh, knowing I'm preaching this. There's some who will debate Jonah's repentance, they'll, they'll debate whether he truly repented or not, because we'll get to Jonah chapter 4 tomorrow or next Sunday, and we might question that. 
My argument to all that is Jonah obeyed. Repentance is a change in our heart. He went from a man that was running away from, that was a man that was walking toward Nineveh. Nineveh was about 400 miles from where he was at, likely. He had a long time to disobey. He couldn't call up a, a taxi. He couldn't hop on a plane. He had a, he had a journey to Nineveh. He had a long time to consider disobeying God. But Jonah obeyed. How much did he obey? He did everything God called him to do. He went to Nineveh. What was Nineveh? Nineveh was a great city. It says in Scripture, three days walk. It was a big city. Uh, in Jonah chapter 4, we read that there's about 120,000 people in this town. Now, these are the Assyrians. Nineveh was a capital of the Assyrian Empire. It was, it was one of the most prominent cities. The Assyrians and, and the Israelites were not good friends. So Jonah's obeying. We can justify Jonah's running because God said, go to the hornet's nest and open your mouth. The reality is, Nineveh is, is right there next to or part of the current city of Mosul, Iraq. If you want a modern day context, if you remember Mosul from the Operation Freedom or whatever it was called at that point, um, that were, were, were the, the liberation of Iraq and all those battles were going, Mosul was one of those hot spots. So it's like God's saying to you today, go to, to Mosul, Iraq, and speak about the living God. I don't know if anybody's watched the news or not, seen the reports of what happened in Saudi Arabia with the news reporter who, who was Turkish, I think, and he went up against the Saudi Arabian government. He went to the embassy to ask for marriage, and uh, they disemboweled him. They cut him up into pieces and denied it. I mean, that's the reality of, of what these people are. And God's saying, go. Talk about radical obedience. Talk about reckless obedience. That has to be a heart change. Because no rational thought says, I'll go to, 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 to Iraq and I'll preach about Jesus. Unless God says, Go. So we see in, 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 in these verses the, the difference. God gave Jonah a second chance. So Jonah obeyed. Wow, novel. How much of life could be much simpler if we just listened to God's word and then obeyed? Huh? How many times have we made our lives way more complicated because God said go and we said no, because God said run and we, we sat down? I mean, Jonah chapter 3, it's really simple priest. And God gave Jonah a second chance and Jonah obeyed. And then what happened? Verse 5 says, the Ninevites believed God. That's a, that's a short, short verse. That's an absolutely remarkable Verse. Jonah went to Nineveh. He went a day's walk into the city proclaiming, basically repent, in 40 days God's going to destroy you. Is, is what his words have been. He went there proclaiming that, and it says the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed. And all of them, from the greatest to least, put on sackcloth. Does anyone know what sackcloth is? Think of burlap. Why don't you go put a burlap sack on, sack on and sit around for a while and see how you feel? 
It's not meant to be a good feeling thing. It's meant to, to help you remember that you're in a stage of, of repentance. Often in Scripture we see sackcloth and repentance. is this condition that people put themselves in to be constantly reminded. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. He took off his royal robes, which I'm guessing are silk and satin and like the nice blankets in those big, big fancy hotels that you can never afford to stay in. You know what I'm saying? That feels so good. You don't want to get out of bed. That's what his robe's made out of. And he covered himself with sackcloth and satin dust. I mean, that sounds like a throne. No, his heart's changed. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. He's calling a national fast. Like, don't feed your cows. I don't know how you keep a cow from tasting anything. Greg, if you've got any input on that, Mike, I don't know how you do that. Um, but don't let your animals uh, taste anything. Don't let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call how urgently on God. And that's God with a capital G. They might have called on other gods before. Remember the guys, the, the people on the ship, they were calling out to gods with a lowercase g, but their gods couldn't do anything. They were calling out to the true God. His declaration was call out to God. That was Yahweh. They're calling out to the, to the God of the Israelites. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? I mean, they don't even know what the result is. Let's just change. Why? Maybe God will relent and with compassion turn from fierce anger so we will not perish. Jonah chapter 3, we've kind of broke it down. God, God, God comes to Jonah a second time. He gives Jonah a second chance. Jonah obeys this time, and then God does the absolutely miraculous. God does the incredible. God does something that is, is incomprehensible, uncomprehensible. I don't know which way you say it. My brain doesn't get it. Jonah goes to Nineveh. He's an enemy of the Ninevites. They don't like him. They don't like his God. Actually, this city is a city that God uses. I believe it's the northern kingdom. He destroys the northern kingdom through Nineveh. They don't get along. He goes and he speaks eight stinking words. I mean, how many of you wish pastor could get by with eight words on a Sunday morning? And because of his eight words, an entire nation repents. An entire city. As a pastor, I say, how? I mean, I want to exegete these words. I mean, I want to see that. I want to know what it is about these words that's so profound. I mean, what is it about him going and, and in his obedience just, just saying, in... Forty days, forty more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. I mean, in the words that we see, we don't even see him saying repent. All we see from Jonah's message, no matter what anybody else says, is that his message was forty more days, and you'll be overthrown. Why? What about those stinking words caused? 
people to hear, caused a king to take off his robe and put on burlap and sit in dust. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm wrestling. I was reading all these different commentaries trying to figure out why. What in the world was it about Jonah? I mean, he's an enemy. Everybody listens when your enemy speaks, right? Huh? I read some commentaries. There are some, some people who said, well, it was because he had been in the fish for three days that his skin was bleached and he was all disheveled when he got to town. I always listen to the crazy guy screaming about the end of the world. My, my brother-in-law sent me, uh, he, he, he said he had read somewhere and I couldn't find anywhere. I kept looking to try and find it because it made sense. Like almost logical that they worshipped the sea and, and they worshipped the fish god and because this guy was spit out of the fish and his reputation preceded him, that, that, that God must have, have, have preceded him and so his words had some kind of weight. Maybe, just maybe. We don't need the reason. You know what I mean? Sometimes God does the unexplainable. And he might use a disheveled enemy whose skin is bleached and smells like fish to speak eight words. An entire city of 120,000 come to repentance. And there doesn't have to be a why. There doesn't have to be a reason. There doesn't have to be a rational understanding. Maybe, just maybe, when God gives us a a second chance and we obey radically, God does something through our obedience. It probably isn't even the words He spoke. It's the Word He spoke. God does the miraculous through obedience. There's a story in in 2 Kings. It doesn't make any sense. It's about the prophet Elijah. He went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. One of them was cutting down a tree. An iron axe had fell into the water. What happens when an iron axe had falls in the water? It sinks, right? Almost like God does the miraculous through radical obedience. He cried out, Oh no, my Lord, it was borrowed. Like The man of God asked, where did it fall? He showed him, and Elisha cut a stick and threw it in there. And it made the iron float. Can you please explain that to me, Ryan? Come on, you're the science teacher here. How come throwing a stick in water makes iron float? Maybe the prophet Elijah heard God say, throw the stick in the water. And he obeyed radically what God was saying. Does that make sense? No. Does it make sense for Jonah, the enemy of the Ninevites, the one, he, he, by his words, he hates them. He has no love in his heart for the Ninevites. We'll see that in the next chapter. He cannot stand these people. How does it make any sense that he goes there, he walks, he walks a day into the, into the city, and he begins, or he proclaims, 40 more days and you guys are done. 40 more days and you guys are done. 40 more days and you guys are done. He might have even enjoyed what he was saying because he didn't like them. God does the miraculous through radical Obedience.
And what happens? The Ninevites believed God. Notice, notice in those words, I don't know if you can pull that verse back up, Irene, where I was reading in, in um, the incredible result, results. It says in verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. I don't know. It took me a while to see this, but I want to point this out. When I'm speaking, a lot of times people will say, I believe Pastor Steve. See, as I wrestled with the why, as I wrestled with the understanding of how this could possibly be, the scripture is very clear. The Ninevites didn't believe Jonah. The Ninevites believed God. God revealed himself somehow, some way. They knew it was not wacky Jonah uh, speaking to them. They knew that the very voice of God was coming to them as clearly as Jonah knew when he laid there and God spoke to him, Arise, go to Nineveh. They believed God. God just needed a willing vessel. I said that the fish, remember that fish that was the means of God's grace in Jonah's life? It was just simply the vessel at which God's grace was revealed. The parallel in my mind, maybe the willingness of Jonah is the the grace, the vessel at which God's grace is being revealed to the Ninevites. Maybe Jonah is really the whale, the fish for the Ninevites. The way at which they, be, they were able to see and hear what God was speaking. God is, is cool. In my notes, I said there's no limit to what God can accomplish when we stop running and submit to Him. There's no limit at what God might be doing. That whisper, that word, that, that thing that you know He's called you to do. There's no limit to what God can accomplish through the obedience of our heart. Think of the model, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, many will be made righteous. I realize this is talking about Jesus Christ, but what about your obedience? That word could be used about Jonah, just as through his obedience, many were made righteous. Jesus talks about the people of Nineveh. Jesus talks about them. He talks about their repentance. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Romans chapter 6. What what then shall we say? Or what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as obedient you slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or obedience which leads to righteousness. Think of Jonah. Jonah was a slave when he made a choice to run from what God called him to do. And Jonah's choices, his disobediences, were leading him where? To absolute death. 
But it says that, that when you obey, you, you, you follow obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be sons to save, you now have come to obey from your heart to the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. The mirror of Jonah. This morning. God's word. What's he speaking to you? Maybe he, you haven't heard in a while, but let me tell you, God is a God that will come a second time. So what has God been speaking to you? And then when you hear his voice, when you know what he's been speaking, no matter what you've done before, no matter how you've reacted in the past, how will you react today? Radical obedience. Will you do what he says when he says? I mean, he says, go, and you say, those people are weird, they're strange, they don't like me, they smell funny. When he says, speak, and you say, there's a better way to say that. When he says, love, and you say, these people are unlovable. The mirror of Jonah. What limit can we place on what God can accomplish through our, our complete obedience to what he's saying. Maybe there's an entire town that's just waiting for you to obey. Maybe there's just one life that's just waiting for you to obey. And it won't be the words you say. It won't. We get so worked up sometimes. Am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to say the wrong thing? What if I mess up? What if I screw up? Maybe it's not your words. Maybe it's what God's doing in your words. Maybe it's God's words in you that are producing radical change in lives. Jonah, can you get something ready? Jonah chapter 3 and Jonah chapter 1, they all start in the same place. It's the same place we're ending this morning. Jonah has to make a choice. And it's just where it's at. Jonah has to make a choice. Maybe you say, I haven't heard that word. Maybe you need God's word to come to you a second time. We can pray God's word is revealed to you a second time. But we've all got a choice. He's called all of us to be witnesses of his gospel. Amen. He's called us all to be light. He's called us all to, 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 to speak the truth in love. He's called us all to love people, right? I mean, His Word has spoken many things from us. You may say, I haven't heard God speak. I'll say, just get in here and He'll tell you something. Sometimes we read it and we say, I wish I hadn't. I must have misunderstood that page. No one else saw. I didn't see it either. God's just looking for obedience. Sometimes it's hard to obey. Sometimes everything in us wrestles with obeying. Sometimes obedience makes 
zero sense. But I trust my Father. And I trust His Word. So if He says go and I'll tell you what to say when you get there, then I'm going to go. And I'm going to be telling Him the whole way I'm going, here's what you're going to do, God. Here's how we're going to do this. And He's going to say, just keep walking. And I'm going to get there and He's going to say, you speak. And I'm going to say, are you sure? God just needs us to obey. God is looking for vessels of grace. He's not looking for the greatest pastors. He's not looking for the greatest preachers. He's not looking for the, for, for the, for the most gifted whatever. He's looking for vessels of grace. Maybe He's going to use you like a fish. <laughs> you'll swallow someone up in your love. I don't know. You'll swallow someone up in your stink and you'll throw them up on the shore. I don't know what you're going to do. But if that's what God has called you to do, then do it. If that's what God has asked you to do, then do it. Stop arguing. Stop running. Just do it and watch. Don't try to predict. Just step. Father, I come to you this morning. And I thank you for the word. The demonstration of your word to the prophet Jonah. I I thank you that he's a mirror that we can relate to, God. A man that wrestles with your will. A man that, that comes to repentance. A man that God uses when it doesn't make sense. God, there might be some here who say, come to me a second time. There might be some here who are saying, I just need that second chance. God, I pray that you would reveal that in their lives. Father, I pray that that you would reveal that you're not finished with them, that their mistakes, that they have not taken them too far because there's, there's grace that may come even to the point where death seems imminent. It may seem dark, it may seem dreary, but your grace is there. So your voice can be heard. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Even in this moment, Holy Spirit, we pray that we would be submitted to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, you begin to remind, you begin to illuminate, you begin to reveal in our hearts your plans and purposes in our lives. Take us to the exact same place. Use the exact same words if needed. That we would know your word. I pray for everyone in this room, God, that we know your very words. That purpose, that good work that you started in us that good work that we thought was destroyed, that good work that we thought was never going to be brought to completion. God, remind us of that this day. And let us obey. God, give me the strength to obey. For each and every one of us, God, I pray you would give us the strength to obey, the willingness to obey. God, I look forward to seeing the miraculous works that you do 
not me, not anyone else, that you accomplish when people believe your word. This morning, as, as Tam leads us in a chorus, I just encourage you, if you need to respond to the Word of God, the altars are open. If you want to have someone pray with you, if you say, Pastor, I, I don't know where I'm at. I just need to be swallowed up in the grace of God this morning. I, I, I'm just so lost. I want to pray that God can swallow you in His grace. If you say, I got that, and I've heard that Word, or you're, you're praying for another Word, I want to be able to pray that you would hear that Word. If you say, I got that, but I'm struggling to obey it, let's pray that that flesh... Those things that are stopping you from obeying could be brought to naught and you would be changed in obeying. In Jesus' name. Father, this morning we thank you that you're a God who loves us recklessly. You're a God who can do the incredible, the remarkable. You're the God who gives us a second chance even when we don't feel like we deserve it. You're the God who still speaks to his people. Help us to hear your word and obey. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and grant you his peace. And may you walk in obedience and see the remarkable. Amen. Be blessed.